Nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I'm Kelly Brook, director of golf at Bethpage Golf Course and Golf Channel Academy instructor. I think the secret is that you have to check in with your goals on a daily basis. Did you achieve any short-term goals today that you know are going to get you to your long-term goal? And if you want it enough, you're going to get it. This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal, helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger. Kelly Brook has spent over 30 years in the golf industry as a player, teaching professional, and golf facility owner. Named the 2018 LPGA Golf Professional of the Year, she tells us how the industry has changed for women over the years. So Kelly, when you were around 13, you were on an all-boys soccer team, and you had a formative experience during some of the games. So can you tell us about that? Absolutely. Well, I grew up playing sports with the boys in the yard. I played football, baseball, basketball, the whole bit. But I was on the, the boys travel all-star team and I was the leading goal scorer, coincidentally. And there was a, a game, a very important game, and I had scored a couple goals and the, the goalie was getting a little tired of me. I was getting under his skin. And I don't know if you've ever watched soccer, but you challenge the goalie. So I'm standing in front of the goalie about I don't know, four or five feet away, and staring him down. He looked me in the eyes, and he dropped that ball and punted it right into my face. It knocked me backwards about six to ten feet. My feet were off the ground, and I was in a complete daze. My eyes were watering. I got up, and my nose was bleeding everywhere. He had broken my nose. Oh my goodness. And so I, I just shrugged it off, and I played the rest of the game, scored a couple more goals, and I felt like that was uh, a lesson in life for me in general. And that's kind of how I've lived my business life, where uh, you know I've gotten kicked in the face, I've gotten punched, I've gotten you know, kicked in the gut, and you just have to get yourself back up, brush it off, and move on with the game of business and the game of life. Did that kid get in trouble? No, it's part of the game, and I was playing with the boys, so I deserved it, and I was being a little bit obnoxious, and, you know, and I was challenging him. He treated me like any other boy, Uh, you know, he treated me like I was just one of the gang, and I was his competitor, and, you know, that's important for life to know that, you know, you're not going to be treated differently as a woman. We all want equality, but you have to learn how to shake it off when you're treated like one of the guys. Are you saying, though, we should put up with a level of rudeness to get that equality? Uh, I don't know if it's rudeness. You know, I I think equality, I I think it's competitiveness. I don't see business as rude, um, you know, male behavior, women behavior. I see it as competitiveness. And, you know, you have to, if you want to play in this game, you're going to have to take it like, like every other man takes it. How do you know you want to be a pro golfer? Well, my mom and dad put a putter in my crib when I was born, so I don't think that I had any choice. I was going to be a pro golfer. Uh, My mom was the city champion. She was a great athlete, great tennis player, great great golfer. My dad was an entrepreneur, so I got that uh, entrepreneurial competitive side from him. And basically, you know, I was uh, I grew up at a golf course and I played golf every single day. And it was not it was a choice, clearly. But my dad said to me at a young age, listen, you know, your friends are getting jobs at McDonald's. They're um, working at the mall. You can do that also if you want. But how about this? You're going to get a scholarship later in life. I'm going to pay you to go practice. 
I don't know if I ever actually saw, uh, you know, it wasn't like I got, I punched in and out. But my job growing up was to get out of bed and go practice while everyone else was working. And I got an allowance for it. And, you know, it all paid off in the end because I got a college scholarship for golf. How did he know you were going to be good at it? You know, you can tell at an early age if a child's going to be good at golf, and I clearly was good. I mean, I was beating the boys. I was beating the girls. I was beating everyone. I mean, I played my mom in our club championship and the, the women's club championship when I was 12 or 13, and I beat her, and she was the reigning champion for many years. So we knew, you know, at an early age that I was going to be good. I played in tournaments from the time I was six or seven on, and I was... Uh, finishing in the top 10. And so it it was uh, something that we knew I was always going to do. So can you elaborate a little bit more on what it's like to be a woman in such a male-dominated sport? Well, you know, I'm lucky because I'm kind of a guy's girl. So what I mean by that is, you know, I've always been good at sports. So I learned so much from sports. I learned competitiveness, uh, sportsmanship. I learned integrity. But I also learned, because I played with guys, how to be around guys. So basically, you know, I, I mean, I hate to say this, but sometimes I, I uh, swear too much. I smoke cigars on the golf course. I drink bourbon afterwards. So I'm kind of a guy's girl. And, um, and so I kind of have lived in their world. It's a challenge, though, because, you know, I want to be feminine at the same time. And I don't want to be seen as one of the guys all the time. So it is a fine balance between um, being one of the guys and still maintaining your femininity at the same time. How do you strike that balance with the guys? I think that they respect me. You know, I, I've, I've gained a lot of respect in the last 30 years in the business world because I did enter the male-dominated area. When I came to New York City from Iowa in 1992, um, it was, uh, there was a company called American Golf. They were running all the golf courses in New York City, and it was a publicly traded company. I can't remember, uh, Solomon Brothers or someone was uh, operating it. And basically, it was all men. I mean, there were no women to be seen. In, in, that were running the golf courses. And I got here and I saw that there were so many holes and gaps. You know, I came from Iowa where golf was huge. The Midwest golf is very big. There was no junior golf in New York City, no women's golf. There was no um, even mention of, of golf psychology. There were all these holes. And I said to myself, boy, this is such a shame. We're in the biggest city in the country, in the world potentially, and there is no organized golf. So my goal was to fill those gaps. And as I filled those gaps, I started to get a little bit more respect, although they fought me every step of the way because they didn't want kids and women on the golf course. They wanted full-paying men on the golf course. And, you know, it was an uphill battle. There were um, many obstacles that I had to overcome, but I found the right team to help me overcome those obstacles. And, you know, at the end of the day, I gained a lot of respect. And I think that's the key in the business world is you have to have their respect. You can't, you have to know what you're doing. You have to Talk the talk, you have to walk the walk, but at the end of the day, you really need to know your stuff. So how did you deal with those guys who were like, women should not be on this court? Well, you know what? I went about it kind of subtly. So the um, the sports writer in the Staten Island, uh, for the Staten Island Advance, friended me, and we became very, very close. And uh, I wanted so badly to, to start this not-for-profit junior golf club and, and American golf and, and different 
organizations, the men's group out there, they were really fighting me on it. So I put together a team, like a board of directors, and I found, and I had the media on my side, which was Tom Flanagan. I had um, the president of the women's club there. I had uh, an attorney that played golf. I had a, a very high-powered um, male golfer that bought into my vision. And as a team, we were able to get around any barriers that they were putting me, Kelly Brook, in front of. So, but I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of guys who are like, women should not be on the course. So can you give one example of how you fought against that or what you said back to them, perhaps? You know, I'm sure I said a lot of things because when I was young, I I was really brazen and I was slightly obnoxious. I have more self-awareness now and I'm a lot more diplomatic with the way I treat people. But I'm sure I got right back in their faces and I said, listen, this is the way it's going to be. And you're going to do this or, you know, the, everyone in the world is going to know that you're discriminating. So I was, I was one of those, uh, you know, pioneers in the Me Too industry 30 years ago where I was standing up for kids. I was standing up for women. I was standing up for people because what's right is right in this world. And I've never been one that backs down from a fight. Do you feel like the golf industry has changed for women over the years? Oh, it's definitely changed. Uh, The PGA of America has something like 40,000 members. I would say 99% of them are male. The LPGA has 1,000 members, all female. There's one female member um, named Susie Whaley, and this year she became the first ever president of the PGA of America. So this one woman oversees almost 39,000 men. So the industry has definitely changed, and I'm seeing it's changed um, just across the board. I mean, I am in a unique position where I'm the director of golf and the head professional for a championship golf course. Uh, I don't know any other women in the world that hold my position. So it's been quite a journey for me, and I've seen a lot of change. I think we have a long way to go. I, I think that women still feel, and this is my plight right now in my life, is to educate women that they can get to where they want to be, that they don't have to be the junior golf director or the women's day director for the rest of their lives. They can actually be the head pro at their golf course. They can uh, have world-famous golf schools. They can run their own facilities if they want to. But women in the golf industry have been made to feel like they're second-class citizens for so long that they don't even realize that those opportunities are out there. So my objective for the next couple of years is to educate my fellow female golf professionals that they can have what I have. A lot of people, a lot of women set goals, but big goals sometimes, but they don't achieve them. So Mm -hmm. what's the secret of actually achieving the goals you set? I think the secret is that you have to check in with your goals on a daily basis, your short-term goals that are getting you to your long-term goal. I would put that, I posted that card on my, my mirror, and so I had to look at it every day. And I would have to check in with myself and say, all right, all right did you achieve any short-term goals today that you know are going to get you to your long-term goal? And if you want it enough, you're going to get it. But it's, you know, game, uh, life is like a game of chess. I always have said this my entire life, and I'm not a great chess player, but in chess, you think 10 steps ahead. So I always think, where do I want to be? And then I plot it out backwards. And I think that's the key to dealing with complex problems at work, dealing with life in general, that you have to see it as a game of chess, and you need to know where you want to be, and then you go backwards from there. Coming up, Kelly Brook explains how she's thrived as an entrepreneur in a male-dominated industry. 
This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Plus, save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com WSJ. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash W-S-J. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal. What advice would you give to women who want to start their own business? I would say... uh Get a bottle of Xanax. No. <laughs> now, you have to understand that uh, being an entrepreneur, and I know this, I knew, I've had this my whole life, is um, it's about risk, it's about reward, but it's also about downtimes. I always say it's like this really rocky, horrible roller coaster where you're creeping up slowly, you get to the top, you're happy, and then the bottom falls out. And I've had that happen for 30 years. Not everything's been rosy. You know, right now I'm at a high in my career. I've had highs, I've had extreme lows. I've been nauseous, I've been high. It's just, and there's nothing in between. So if you want to start your own business, you better make sure it's something that you really want to do, and you're going to have to put the time in. I used to, and I still do, work seven days a week. My phone is always on 24-7, and but that's me. I'm an entrepreneur, and you either know that you're an entrepreneur or you don't know you're an entrepreneur. And if you're not an entrepreneur, you need a nine-to-five job with a steady paycheck. So you, your business manages the Beth Page course, mm-hmm. which is one of the top public courses in the U.S. How did you beat out the other competitors for this contract? Well, you know, I've always been in golf for the right reasons. I enjoyed it, and I wanted to spread the word. And so I think that I ended up, I beat the PGA Tour. I beat uh, some major um, uh, golf management companies. And I think I did it because of all of my philanthropic work that I did growing, you know, in my, I say growing up, but I was only 21 when I came here. So I really did grow up here. Uh, I, you know, I was always in it for the right reasons, and I feel that I was recognized for that, Uh, you know, in all of the the properties that I've won and operated. It's not all about the bottom line in life. It's about who are you helping, and if you're in things for the right reason and you're helping people, then you'll always be rewarded. So what can women learn from the psychology of golf? Oh, gosh. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what they can learn. So I joined the LPGA in 1992, 93, something like that. And the first thing we're taught as LPGA golf instructors is to understand people's learning styles because there are no bad students, only bad teachers. So I could give you, uh, I could give a chipping lesson to five, to four different people, let's say, and I could give it four different ways based on your learning style. So I'll interview you at the beginning and I'll figure out, are you left brain or right brain? Because a left brain person is very detail oriented. They're very auditory. They're very sequential and um, they're very objective. I'm a right brain person. A right brain person is very creative, very big picture, can't get bogged down in details, very visual. And so When I learned that other people have learning styles, I reflected upon myself. And in business, 
I am a better business person because I understand who I am. I am very right-sided, um, and I think that that's a, a very important thing for women to figure out. Are they the left brain person? Are they the right brain? And you, you tailor your leadership style and your business style to what you are. I know that I can't get bogged down in details. I'm not auditory at all. The fact that you didn't give me any questions ahead of time really is freaking me out because I need to prepare visually because I'm not auditory. Um, so I will uh, sit in a meeting and I will need a PowerPoint. I need to see things. Or when I give a presentation, I can't give it auditorily. I need to do it through a PowerPoint. I prefer to communicate through text or email versus phone calls because I, I know that that's my learning style and how I function best. I also know that I'm not a detailed person. I'm a big picture person. So I hire people that are detailed, left-brained people and so that I can focus on the big picture and I can focus on growth or whatever you know new programs we're developing. So for women, I think it's, or people in general, it's really important that you understand how your brain works and you tailor your business management style to how you learn best. What's the best investment advice you ever heard? I mean, you know, the thing is that I I grew up in an English household and it was impolite to talk about money. So, and we grew up in Iowa. So we weren't really, we didn't have Wall Street down the block. So I wish that I had had more of a education, a financial education growing up because we weren't allowed to talk about it. Uh, we It sure as heck wasn't being taught in school. So I guess my secret to success would be to, to make sure every day you read some piece of literature or turn on the TV or educate yourself on some piece of financial um, advice and make your own decisions. That's what you need to do is you need to trust your gut, trust that it's uh, something for you that you want to do and make sure that you're in control of your own financial destiny. What's the worst financial advice you ever heard? I, I think uh, I think save your money is a bad you know piece of advice because if your money's sitting under a mattress, it's not growing. So I think di- diversification is important. You know, I I am the wrong person to talk to about that because I'm such a risk taker. Even at this age, I just turned 51 and I'm still a risk taker in business. You know, I've I've made a lot of money. I've lost a lot of money. I've made a lot of money. I've lost a lot of money. That's the life of an entrepreneur. So. At the end, though, it all kind of averages out, and so I would say save save your money. I don't, I don't buy saving your money because you want your money working for you. What kind of investments do you like? I like uh, you know I I like the S and P five hundred you know uh, diversified funds you know because I don't I know my strengths I know my weaknesses I'm not going to sit in front of commercial uh, a computer every day and check my stock so I like to just put it somewhere. And I think over time, you know, if you diversify, it's it's going to grow. It can't help but grow. So you um, are on tour again. Yeah. So what's your your tip? How are you going to win? Tell us what you're going to be entering and how you're going to win it. Well, I hadn't competed for 29 years, but when I was playing black the last two years, I said to myself, you know what? I could do this. I don't know why I haven't been playing. So I started competing again last year, and this two weeks ago I qualified for the senior uh, U.S. Open. It's the second annual. So this is another reason why I say golf is changing for women. They never had a senior women's amateur, the USJ. Now we do. Uh, I'm sorry, senior women's open. 
And now we do. And so I qualified, and I'm going to get to go play with all those people I idolized my whole entire life. The Joanne Carners, Beth Daniel, Amy Alcott's going to be there, Laura Davies, Nancy Lopez. So it's very, very exciting for me. I'm hoping it's like uh, triathlons that I do in marathons, that I'm at the lower end of my age group, and that's going to play some great role in it. I don't want to age to the top of my age group. So I'm hoping to do quite well. I mean, my game is in better shape than it's ever been in throughout my college years, my mini tour years. I have a, I have a good chance of making the cut. Do you say a mantra to yourself, like, I'm going to win this or when you're out there? Well, you know what? Uh, I got so much into the mental side of golf in the last year and a half, and I use it as a metaphor for life. I, I have this opti brain that I put on my head and I put it on my students' heads, and we can measure where the... Um, the brain waves are stimulated in your head. And this is what I'm talking about with millennials again. They love this stuff. They eat this up. If I could, I say to them, can I get inside your head? And they're like, yeah, sure. And I put this on. And so I t- I've taught my students for two years how to quiet the brain and live in the subconscious and live in this Zen place. And so I decided to try it out for myself. So my advice to myself is if I were teaching someone, it would be next week when I get there, I'm going to just try to live in the moment take each shot as it comes, try not to overthink and stimulate my prefrontal cortex and live in my subconscious. So Tiger Woods just got a big award. What do you think of that? I think it's an interesting award. Um, I mean, I think it's interesting. Tiger's been through a lot. So everyone deserves a second chance. I mean, is this, uh, it's a sport at the end of the day. But, you know, so I'm not sure I agree with this award. But the fact is that Tiger affects a lot of people in this world. I mean, he single-handedly brought golf back. When Tiger was going through his problems, golf declined. Now golf is back again. And so this man really, you know, people will say, well, it's just a sport, just like I did. But he is affecting, legitimately affecting people's lives. So who am I to be a judge? Time now for your secrets. I'm Kelly Brook. My money secret is you need to exercise your financial brain like you do your body. Everyone takes the time to exercise every day. I think that you should learn to stand on your own two feet and to read something. Take 15 minutes a day to read something about personal finance every single day so that you're at the top of your game and you take ownership of your own financial wealth. Be sure to check out our ebook based on the Secrets podcast. WSJ subscribers can download their copy of Resilience How 20 Ambitious Women Use Obstacles to Fuel Their Success for free on WSJ.com today. This episode was produced by Tanya Bustos. I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance. For SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more, learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ.